Welcome back, everyone. My name is Michael LeBlanc, Director and Senior Portfolio Manager at Canaccord Juni Wealth Management, and thanks for joining us again this week. Today is our live show where we talk about everything uh, everything going on in the market and everything we see coming up in the next week. Um, and we're also going to be talking about uh, ethical or environmental, social, and governance investment, or ESG investment today, just to bring everyone up to date. We've done uh, previous videos on ESG investing, uh, but it, you know, continues to grow, continues to be a focal point in post portfolios. So we want to cover that off as well this week. So with that, this is next week today. And as always, everything that we cover on here is for information purposes only. Uh, do your own due diligence or reach out to us. Just go to mikeonmoney.com. Uh, give us a call. Send us an email. Happy to answer any of your questions. Uh, all these strategies are all the things we talk about here. Um, you know, may or may not be right for your portfolio. So always uh, do your due diligence before diving into anything. So with that, let's start things off. As always, talk a little bit about what's going on with the COVID pandemic. Um, you know, not a ton to talk about here. Uh, you know, proof of vaccine is now required for everyone 12 plus in DC. Uh, you know, the full vaccine passport uh, is now in place. Uh, it was, you know, you could have one shot. Now it's, you've got to have both. Um, you know, British Columbia has also listed, uh, lifted their uh, capacity restrictions. So, you know, the Canucks games, example, full capacity. Uh, so that's kind of back to normal. And then around the world, you know, we're seeing some other openings uh, and, uh, you know, and some closures. You know, New Zealand's government, uh, you know, is going to expand their, their vaccine mandate and put in some more uh, restrictions, uh, including, you know, things at restaurants, bars, gyms and hair salons. Uh, so it's still not, uh, still not out of the woods. The only thing I'm going to say, uh, on, the, on the COVID updates is, uh, we'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear from everybody. Uh, you know, we're headed into the uh, Christmas season or the holiday season. Uh, let me know what you're doing this holiday. So obviously last year we couldn't get together with the big families. We couldn't get together with bigger groups. Um, now that things have lifted a little bit. I'd love to get a sense as, as to what everyone's planning uh, or if you plan on traveling, you know, the, the Canada lifted their, um, you know, travel advisory warning now. So the, for non-essential travel, they lifted that. So are, does that mean you're going to start traveling in uh, 2021 or 2022? Love to, to, uh, to hear that. And also if you have been uh, traveling through 2021 as well. So let's uh, take a look at what's going on in the economy. Uh, things that we want to watch for this week is uh, the U.S. Uh, home price index. Uh, we're also getting home sales for September coming out. Um, consumer confidence is coming for October is coming up. Uh, and as I mentioned last week, we're diving right into earnings season. So Raytheon uh, Technologies, G General Electric, uh, UPS, uh, Alphabet, which is you know Google's parent company. Microsoft, Visa, Twitter are all reporting this week. So we're going to take, uh, keep a close eye on that, the earnings season. But going into the earnings season, it was expected for about 80, 70 to 80% of uh, the reporting companies to, uh, to have a good season, a better, better than expected numbers. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that because, uh, you know, if some of them, if we start seeing some big misses, uh, that's going to bring some volatility into the market. Overall, though, the stock futures uh, have been pretty strong, especially in the U.S., a little weak this morning in Canada, uh, but pretty strong uh, in the U.S., both yesterday and today. Um, 
And as I mentioned, you know, that, that, that investors' confidence has been uh, buoyed or, or held up quite a bit by the majors, banks, and, and, and companies and manufacturers. Um, you know, all, uh, all reported uh, some good numbers for the quarter. Uh, a little bit of jitter still around that inflation and labor market. Uh, we'll touch a little bit on it today uh, as inflation is continuing to be, to be the main topic when we talk about market volatility these days. Uh, from, from zero to 12 billion. So I don't know if you've been following this, but uh, Trump uh, did a SPAC. We've talked about SPACs, Special Purpose Acquisition Corps. Uh, so he launched one in the US for a technology company. Uh, he raised $12 billion in it to perform super well. Uh, and he's launching a competitor to Twitter called Truth. Um, it's already run into some problems, uh, potential lawsuits from the, uh, from the technology uh, that they use for the backbone of, uh, of the product. It also kind of had a, it's not actually out yet, uh, so they haven't actually watched it yet, but I guess the, the site went live, so people were able to go in there and, uh, on the website anyway and, and you know, take name or, or preserve names and, uh, and, and put up some spoof accounts and, and, and you know, already getting into trouble. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that's been going on. Uh, there's a big short positions building on it. This, uh, a lot of people think that it's going to flop, uh, that the technology is not there and, you know, try to take on Twitter itself. Uh, obviously uh, a big challenge. Uh, and as always, I think around Trump seems to be politicized. You know, is this going to be a Republican kind of communication base? Because a lot of those, uh, the extremes uh, have been kicked off of the Twitter platform or banned from the Twitter platform. And, and is this is, is this where they're going to uh, post their, their information? So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. But if you, uh, if you weren't aware, you can follow that. Uh, the, as I mentioned, the platform is called Truth. Uh, drug pricing reform opponents are, are winning most of the uh, pharma lobbying money, no surprise there. So some of the Democratic Party lawmakers are holding up and, and, and opposing the proposed drug pricing reforms, uh, are getting some big uh, big donations from the pharmaceutical industry to help them stay stave off uh, putting this into place. Uh, and this has been ongoing for many, many years. Of course, it's no, uh, it's no secret in the U.S., uh, Americans pay a lot more for their prescription medicine than we uh, than than other countries, especially you know they're constantly compared to Canada with our universal health, and of course, controls around the uh, the pricing on the on the uh, the medications. So uh, so we'll keep an eye on that, but uh, you know it looks like pharmaceuticals are throwing a lot of money at the uh, the lobbying efforts to try to keep that out of law. Uh, fund capitulation on U.S. bond reaches historic levels. So hedge funds and speculators alike are dumping the U.S. Treasury uh, at a pace we rarely see. And this just goes to that inflation expectation, right? The expectation. So it's this battle of when that first rate hike is going to happen. Remember, the, the, the original target was 2023. Uh, is that going to be maintained? Are they going to bring it into 2022? And if they bring it into 2022, how soon is it going to be early, mid, later? Uh, you know, most of the forecasts are still looking, you know, looking more mid uh, to the third quarter, perhaps. Um, a lot of that's going to have to, uh, or, or going to be decided around the supply chain issues because the supply, nation, supply chain issues are really driving that inflation number. And, uh, you know, how long can they wait off uh, or stave off raising those rates 
uh, for inflation to normalize uh, as the supply chain uh, gets caught up. So that's what we're going to keep a close eye on. And uh, that's where we're going to see most of the volatility in the markets. Uh, other news out there, uh, uh, the corporate tax, of course, been taken off the, uh, the table for the uh, Democrats to fund their, their infrastructure bill. Um, you know, within the party, they couldn't get support, enough support to uh, raise corporate tax. So they're focusing on billionaires uh, to uh, pay more tax and uh, pay for that uh, infrastructure bill that they're trying to get through. Uh, now, with that, we'll talk a little bit about Tesla, but Tesla hit a trillion dollar in valuation, which means uh, Elon Musk made $39 billion yesterday, so maybe he can afford a little bit of tax. So we'll see, uh, we'll see what they come out with their proposal that they're putting together right now. Uh, Twin Peaks, uh, you know, just talking about the oil demand, so we're, we're looking at a, uh, an energy transition to a peak demand. Uh, on for oil specifically. Of course, if you looked at the pump, the prices are high uh, here in Canada, but that's around the world. Uh, it's just been that spike in demand and the decrease in supply. Uh, there are a few things going on. We're going to touch a little bit more, uh, you know, potentially reinstating the, the Iran uh, nuclear deal in order to lift the sanctions on Iran's oil and, uh, you know, dealing with some supply issues. But that continues Despite we've seen a little bit uh, off the, the peak price in oil, but still holds in the mid 80s. So it's uh, it, it's still up there. Uh, the U.S. Treasury has uh, named a former J.P. Morgan executive as uh, racial equities are. So this is the first time they put the position in place. So uh, Janice Boulder, uh, who worked uh, with J.P. Morgan uh, in their philanthropic arm, uh, was, was hired. So she's going to be in there and uh, working to bring uh, racial equity to the Treasury Department. Uh, GM and Ford are likely going to report some, uh, some lower earnings, uh, and that's gonna reflect the chip shortage. So this is gonna be first kind of real look into how this has impacted the, uh, the automotive companies, uh, and, and that's going to you know, pretty much be across the whole sector. So we'll keep an eye on how much of impact it had to their sales numbers, uh, and, and what that might be leading into the fourth quarter because of the chip shortage, of course isn't going away anytime soon. Uh, the dollar is in the dirt. Um, you know, big uh, agriculture uh, firms are paying farmers to try to use uh, use their soil to uh, hold carbon. So, you know, this goes into the environmental investing, um, but some of the biggest global uh, agriculture companies are out there competing for this new, this new way of trying to, uh, you know, get carbon neutral or reduce carbon dioxide uh, by having it being retained in the soil. So uh, having farmers use different technologies to keep that in the soil. So that's something new. We haven't really seen push. The technology has been growing. Uh, we'll keep a close eye on that as well. So let's take a look at what's going on this week. Uh, as I mentioned, earnings season. So Alphabet, Google, uh, Google's parent is expecting to show a rise in third quarter revenue, mostly on online demands which has really spiked since the pandemic closures uh, as, as companies have, of course, through the closures, uh, turned to online versus, uh, you know, uh, traditional media. And then we've seen a lot extra, a lot of those media, or sorry, advertising budgets being shifted to the digital front. Um, we're also looking at the impact of uh, Apple's uh, new privacy rules on Google. So we talked about this last year, Apple did an update to the technology a little while ago. You probably noticed if you have an Apple phone, 
uh, a lot of the apps now will ask, do you want to share your data with that particular app? Because prior to that, um, you know, different apps could track where you went, what you were looking at, what stores you shopped at, all these different data, all these different data points that um, Google and other companies could buy or sell uh, to advertisers to better target you. Uh, so with Apple kind of turning some of those things off, that did affect uh, some of those uh, those uh, advertising dollars. So we'll see uh, how much of that uh, affected Google as well. Microsoft's going to be reporting. We're expecting them to post a rise in fourth quarter earnings, uh, mostly on demand for Azure uh, and Microsoft 365 apps, which also includes their Teams, which is their, their online platform, very similar to this. Uh, so uh, that those numbers should should be staying strong as uh, a lot of people are still using these uh, these apps. Uh, even as people return to work, there's still a lot of people uh, continuing, you know, travel's not back. A lot of meetings still happen like this. Uh, Twitter is also expected to post, uh, post a, a rise in their third quarter uh, numbers, um, again, through that those advertising dollars, uh, as more and more people look at that platform as a, uh, an, uh, advertising alternative. Top news this week, uh, Tesla, of course, zoomed past the one trillion mark, as I mentioned. Uh, as you know, more and more of the market's betting on the EV future. It's actually funny, uh, if you look at Tesla at a trillion dollars, they're now bigger than, I think it's 12 of the top uh, automotive companies combined as far as their market cap. But of course they don't represent that much market share when it comes to the vehicles. So this is a lot of speculation on the future, uh, future growth uh, in that EV marketplace. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting story to follow as we go through the next year or two years, as more and more uh, car manufacturers are shifted to EV models uh, or, or com completely switching their line to EV. Uh, you know, you've got Volkswagen committed, uh, Ford uh, is coming out, uh, Toyota's pushing a little bit, Toyota's pushing a little bit more of the hydrogen solution. So that's an interesting twist on it. Uh, you know, Mercedes, BMW, uh, they're all really looking at uh, beefing up their EV lineup over the next one to five years. So, uh, so that that's going to play into a much more competitive market. So, uh, we'll keep a very close eye on that. Uh, Facebook, if you haven't been following this, of course, the whistleblower uh, who was testifying uh, down in the U.S., uh, Francis Hogan, uh, is over in the British Parliament uh, now testifying, and of course, uh, they, she released. The Facebook papers. So the, I think there's about 10,000 documents that went to um, over a dozen uh, news uh, outlets that have uh, poured through those documents. And, and, and again, not a lot of information that we didn't think Facebook was doing, um, but you know, just to see it in print and see the depth in which that they were uh, actually targeting some of, you know, whether it be hate speech or not stopping uh, bad information or uh, creating civil unrest. And it's not just here in North America, uh, but non-English speaking countries, um, you know, where we've seen uh, genocides of war and, and, and complete uh, uh, human uh, rights violations, uh, you know, where they didn't put in uh, enough employees who spoke the, the, the local language to, to really, uh, you know, manage that or or to help contain misinformation in those situations, flaring up the hate, flaring up the 
the, uh, the, the unrest even more. So there's going to be more and more out of this. Of course, if you haven't followed the Facebook story, their solution to all this has changed their name. Uh, so Facebook is looking to change the name, but it's very much, and I believe this is, they've had this announcement out, or at least they've leaked this announcement. Facebook itself won't change the name, just the parent company, much like Google did with, uh, or Alphabet did with Google. Alphabet became the parent company of the greater corporation, and Google is still, uh, you know, one of their main arms or, or revenue arms uh, for Alphabet. Uh, Moderna uh, has finished they're uh, tested for uh, for younger children uh, between ages six and eleven, and they're going to be sub submitting that to uh, the global regulators very soon to uh, to get approval for them. Of course, Pfizer's already done that. Uh, and of course, in the U.S. and in Canada, uh, that's pretty much approved, and we're going to see that roll out. Uh, and also, I believe it's today we're going to be hearing about um, you know BC's. Uh, uh, booster shots. So looking at how they're going to roll that out and uh, what the timeline they're looking at doing that on. And uh, uh, it'll be really interesting actually how they do it as far as the mixed vaccines go. Are they going to continue down that path of, you know, mixing it? Uh, you know, if, if your last shot was Pfizer, you're going to get Pfizer or could you actually get an Astra AstraZeneca, Moderna, Pfizer shot uh, as your booster? So uh, We'll keep a close eye or listen on uh, what Bonnie Henry says about that later on today. PayPal is currently uh, not pursuing Pinterest. So there was rumors out there that uh, they were pursuing to uh, buy Pinterest uh, for about $45 billion. Uh, they came out and said, no, they're not. That'd be a weird mix for them. Uh, you know, not really a, uh, a vertical and I think would really enhance their platform a lot more. Of course, PayPal is a digital payment company. Uh, Pinterest is more of a social media uh, uh, type of, uh, of company. Um, and, and PayPal seems to be focused uh, moving into uh, crypto or digital currencies as well. So, you know, to shift gears towards Pinterest uh, might not have been the, the, the time in there, might have just been a little off. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll see if they change their mind down the road. But for now, uh, PayPal is not pursuing that. Amazon Staten Island uh, warehouse workers are filing or want to file for a petition uh, for a union election. Uh, this is an ongoing story, of course, with Amazon. I know Amazon takes a lot of flack, and maybe they should. I've never worked there. Can't say one way or another, but there's certainly enough reports out there from workers that, uh, you know, whether being overworked or underpaid, uh, seems to be a lot of legitimacy around their complaints. Uh, but if we look back, uh, uh, Walmart went through very, very similar uh, growing pains. Uh, you know, anytime you have a large, super large retailer like Amazon, Walmart, and, and such, um, who are fighting for every penny uh, of, of, of your shopping dollars, uh, you know, it is very competitive, uh, very low mar margins. So that means they push, whether it be suppliers of product, uh, or employees to keep the cost down uh, as much as possible. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, obviously, Amazon to date has uh, has put in a lot of effort to keeping the uh, the unions out of their warehouses. But uh, at some point, uh, they're very likely to lose that battle. On the uh, the currency front, uh, the uh, the U.S. Fed, uh, you know, it's still working really hard to fight off that inflation. Uh, to uh, to keep dollars as steady as possible. Uh, we do see inflation kind of hitting new highs, both here in Canada and in the US. Um, 
But with that, we do expect the, the US dollar to continue to show a little bit of weakness. Uh, and the EU or the Euro uh, continues to trade around its current level. Thursday, they're making the decision on their, their interest rates. Uh, so everything we see in the market right now is kind of in, indicated they will hold the current rates. Uh, on the bond front, we've seen it creep up a little bit, and that's just going to continue that trend, the 10-year uh, bond trend, uh, moving along with inflation. On the oil front, as I mentioned, we did see a little bit of decline, but from earlier week to, uh, early week gains, uh, but uh, still in the mid 80s. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk, as I mentioned, uh, in Iran and New York Union, bringing back the Iran nuclear deal, uh, which the US opted out of. But of course, you know, we've got new uh, government down there, whether they can bring that back into place which would ultimately lift some of the sanctions, uh, particularly the one around their oil exports, uh, which would uh, you know, ease up a little bit of the world supply uh, issues. Um, you know, uh, again, not, not likely to drop the price of oil dramatically, but at least slow, slow the increase on the, on, the, on the price. Copper showed a little bit of weakness uh, on its price, but still it stays very strong in this market. I don't expect that to change either. We're definitely in a, material, a materials market, uh, and that's typical of an inflationary period. So with that, uh, let's, uh, let's talk about ESG and ready or not. Do you have it in your portfolio? Should you have it in your portfolio? Uh, and what does it really mean? What's what's this wave, uh, ESG wave like? Because it's very different from even a few years ago. A lot of things have changed and a lot of things you should be looking at in your portfolio when thinking about doing it. So with that, this is my time money. So ESG, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Environmental, social, and governance governance investment. Uh, sometimes the E is swapped for ethical, but kind of the same same idea. It kind of depends on your particular focus. Uh, oil and gas companies, uh, you know, currently make up about two percent of the S and P five hundred, uh, and you know, twelve years ago they were fifteen percent of the S and P five hundred. So that just shows you the shift that has been happening for a while. And in fact, ESG companies. In, in, a, in a lot of studies are shown to, uh, you know, if you've had an ESG focus has outperformed um, a non-ESG uh, portfolio. Uh, not in all periods and not in all cases, but uh, there's certainly seen a lot of growth and, and nothing more uh, has brought it to the spotlight than the last couple of years. As we hit that reset button uh, on economies around the world, as everything shut down, when they went to turn things back on, uh, you know, governments really started to take a hard look and say, okay, we need to bring jobs back. We need to kickstart the economy. We need to invest billions of dollars. Do we invest all those dollars back into, uh, you know, the traditional uh, uh, oil and gas or resource or energy markets that we know are going to be declining over the next, and you can pick any time period you want. You want to say five years, 10 years, 30 years. We know it's steadily declining, which means jobs will slowly be disappearing in those markets. So do you, you spend a lot of money to try to bring the jobs back that you know have a timestamp on them? Or do you spend a lot of money in a, in a growth area, renewable energy, green technologies, that we know are going to produce a lot of long-term jobs, but also probably double or triple those numbers of jobs over 
you know, the next five to 10 years as that industry expands, as that industry grows. And, and that's what most of the world has done. And even companies, uh, you know, we've talked in previous weeks about BP and Chevron and, and Exxon, you know, making a shift in their, their business makeup to more renewable, moving away from the traditional, uh, you know, oil and gas or fossil fuel side of the, uh, of the sector, uh, because they, they know that's where things are going. Uh, and that's what's created a bit of the shortage. We've seen a lot of these companies move, uh, you know, production prior to getting the new production online or prior to getting the full infrastructure in place. So that's what we're looking at when we're talking about ESG. Uh, obviously, the social side of it doesn't always mean environmental. It means good for society. Uh, and governance is kind of, you know, are they acting in, uh, you know, in a responsible way? Are they taking care of their employees? Are they being good for the environment? Are they being good for their geography, the countries that they're in? Are they helping grow the economies? Uh, and are they uh, delivering what their customers want? So that's what, we, what we're talking about when we talk about ESG. Uh, and as I mentioned, despite the recent uh, rise in oil prices, uh, investors are looking at the long run, right? The diminishing returns of those companies and really looking at where the future growth is going to be. Uh, until a decade ago as well, you know, accounting for, uh, trying to account for the, the drop or the sunset of the fossil fuels was deemed very aggressive because it wasn't widely accepted. But, uh, but that acceptance has grown more and more, uh, obviously with climate change happening, uh, you know, more and more people are focusing on it, more and more companies are focusing on it, but not in, only that. I think the real thing you got to keep in mind, and this is what, uh, uh, you know, when we talk about the second wave, it's not just personal preference anymore. Entire institutional, the Ontario Pension Fund, there's uh, just recently a report came out, uh, I believe it was 35 to 37 different institutional pensions, funds, uh, have basically uh, that control about $5.5 trillion uh, in Canada investment dollars uh, have insisted that all their portfolios be ESG. So if a company wants to attract investment dollars, they have to take this seriously. They have to put in the effort. They have to be conscious of the impact they're making uh, on, on those three factors. So more and more, we're, gonna, we're going to see companies uh, focusing on it. And more and more, we're going to see investment dollars flow into it, even, even outside your personal perspectives, just from a greater uh, cash uh, movement of cash in the investment markets. Uh, you know, so what does this look like? So the pathway for generating superior risk-adjusted returns when we talk about ESG uh, really looks at uh, you know, a few things. Uh, one, really identify the theme. Uh, you know, that they're focusing more. So if a company's saying, oh, we're ESG, well, how are they being ESG? Because there's going to be a lot of fakers out there. There's going to be a lot of people throwing that term around. We've seen that through history. Uh, you know, if you think back to, um, you know, the, the, the cryptocurrency, the first, you know, back in 2018, you know, blockchain was the big word being thrown around. And there was a, uh, my favorite story from that was there was a uh, iced tea company in New York that just changed their name to Ice-T Blockchain uh, Limited and their stocks went up 30%. So look, you know, really see where the, the real growth themes are happening and which, you know, companies are putting in, in, in that, um, put in that, that, that effort. 
um, and really look at what might handicap that that growth trajectory for the company. You know, where are they going to have challenges with uh, with their ESG efforts? Um, you know, it's no longer throwing a dart and saying, "Hey, that company's got green in its name." You really have to kind of know what they're doing uh, and what their challenges are, are going to be uh, as they put that effort into in place. And, and take a look at that that success map that they're they're going to be uh, trying to implement. You know, how is it going to impact their assets, the sector, the industry, the company dynamics? Uh, how long is that going going to take to shift? Uh, you know, big big companies with a lot of legacy issues are going to have a harder time shifting, um, than, you know, than others. And some sectors are going to have a harder time shifting than others. So, you know, when's that reward going to happen? But doesn't mean you shouldn't look at it. Uh, you definitely want to have a longer term uh, perspective when you're looking at ESG in your portfolio, not necessarily short term. But what's it going to take to get there? And what are going to be the barriers along the, along the way? Focus on uh, what will inevitably turn from macro to micro, right? So right now, uh, or certainly over the last couple of years, a lot has been on macro, you know, the, the government dollars to say, hey, we're 2030, 2050, we're going to get there. Um, things are going to start to, you know, really shift to the micro. Uh, you know, basically, okay, you said you're going to do this by 2030, but when and how quickly and what are those impacts going to be? So. Uh, is it going to be the next quarter in the next year? When are you going to deliver on this? Because historically, a lot of companies have made these promises, right? They said, oh, we're going to change that. Coca-Cola is a great example of a plastic waste. Uh, you know, according to a lot of studies, they're one of the biggest contributors to plastic globally uh, or plastic waste globally. Uh, and, you know, they've put, uh, you know, out targets, uh, many targets in the past to say, oh, we're going to fix it by then, or we're going to introduce, introduce this by then, uh, and then never get there. And then just set a new target when they, when they, you know, get too close to that target. So really looking at the micro is going to come in a big impact in the portfolio is when are these things going to be delivered and are they being delivered in, uh, in the time manner or, or the time periods that they're, they're predicting. And all companies have to seek to move down that ESG spectrum, right? Like all companies have to be aware, as I mentioned, a lot of institutional money, not just the retail money, uh, although the retail money is really looking for ESG, but the institutional is insistent on it. And the difference between a retail and an and, and uh, uh, institutional investor, when we talk about ESG investing, is really retail can change their mind from moment to moment, from, uh, from investment opportunity to investment opportunity, whereas institutional put in policy and they cannot break it. So uh, that money's flowing more and more to that ESG. Uh, so companies have to be very aware of that and, and how that's going to affect uh, investor dollars coming in. So uh, actively uh, managed, uh, you know, when, if you're looking at an actively managed approach to your ESG, you know, what should you look at? Uh, well, success will require specialized knowledge. ESG is a buzzword that's been flowing around for a good 20 years. What are you actually getting when you, when you say you want ESG? <laughs> Whether it's be a, a mutual fund, an investment, uh, private investment portfolio, uh, you know, working with your advisor, uh, what are you actually getting when you ask for ESG? It, it, it takes a lot of due diligence. One of the biggest problems with this, uh, with the due diligence issue around ESG is there's no global standard. They're working on coming up with a global standard. They're not there yet. So if you go to one shop or you go to you read one thing, you, you know, that definition of ESG could be very, very different 
So, uh, you know, you have to know what you're buying and you have to know what you're asking for. Uh, so have that conversation. If you're, if you're curious about what the options are, by all means, give us a call. The spectrum is, 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 is massive, um, you know, as to how far you want to push the needle uh, and what areas uh, you really focus on, what ESG means to you. So, uh, you know, believe in the value of diversification. So don't, you know, just jump into, uh, you know, solar panels or, or uh, wind technology or EV cars or, or, right? Like, make sure you stay diversified. There's a lot of ways to diversify your portfolio on ESG. There's even some investments out there that, um, you know, the industry or the sector isn't uh, necessarily, um, you know, environmental, social, or, or governance. They might have good governance. They may be focused on social, but they're not environmental. But they can buy offsetting carbon uh, or, or carbon offsets to neutralize their, their, their carbon impact. So there's other ways to try to get access to maybe industries, companies, or sectors that uh, you're, you're interested in, but still keep that theme inside the portfolio. Um, so, so, you know, just, you know, the theme here is the low hanging fruit of, uh, you know, just because it has green in the name or has ESG in the name, uh, you've probably seen uh, that, that story play out, you know, really identify companies who are really going to benefit from the, from the change uh, and from the trend that we're seeing out there. It's a, as I mentioned, it's a new era. There's a lot of challenges out there. Be careful. Some of these passive funds that will box ESG, uh, you might be getting holdings in there that are not in line with what you want to achieve. Or even worse, you know, have some of these just theme names that you're not actually getting ESG performance. Uh, it's, it's just, you know, you might see some short-term gains as, uh, uh, as the name brings some investment dollars, but it always goes back to the theme. I always, uh, always point out to people, really, really focus on knowing what you're buying and why you're buying it. And, and we're in a period now of this ESG uh, investment wave that becomes very, very vital that you, uh, you really focus on, you focus on those things um, and make sure it makes sense to, to your portfolio. So with that, always send in your questions to mikeonmoney.com, give us a call, happy to answer any questions. Uh, you can uh, catch this video on our YouTube channel, also uh, our podcast. Uh, with that, we'll see you next Tuesday. We are changing the format a little bit next uh, next week. We're going to focus on uh, next week today. So we're just going to, you know, we're going to focus on the markets uh, and we'll have a separate uh, focus video uh, just to keep things, you know, from a time and perspective, uh, being conscious of everyone's time. Uh, you still get the same information. We're just kind of presenting it in a slightly different way. But with that, have a great week and we'll talk to you um, in seven days.